to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. Man up, man of spiritual oasis for Ben. We're not pastors, we're just regular guys. This is podcast number 153. Hard to believe, and we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas. So grab a globe, spin it around, bang, find your way to Texas, where one of the states is trying to open up. Go to the southeast corner of Texas, and you'll find Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland. In various locations around Sugarland is that is where we are. We are each on this individual faith journey, and this we recognize men are leaders and leaders of their communities, leaders of their families, leaders of their neighborhoods, and there's been no more need than during this COVID-19 for leadership. And so we hope that you spend this hour recharging and getting on that faith journey that each of us are on as we talk about issues that affect us as men in ways that you really can't talk about them. We have a great panel here, and we go through various different uh, texts. We're currently in a Connect 360, which is a Baptist Way Press publication. And their stuff is just awesome. And we are finishing up uh, Miracles, the Transforming Power of Jesus. We're on Lesson 11, and this one is titled Mission Impossible. And, you know, uh, and yet again, these titles really speak to me as we're going through this quarantine period and dealing with the COVID-19. One thing great about the Man Up group is that not only do I introduce them by their professions, but also by their avocations and their passions and their interests, give you a little bit of a flavor of the type of different guys and different talents that they have. And for those of you that have listen to us. We are on Apple Podcasts. We're on iHeartRadio. You may have found us on SoundCloud where we have all of our podcasts archived. We're on Facebook at Man-Up. And we have a website, which is at Man-UpSpiritualOasis.com. At this time, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to introduce the panel. We have a full screen, you know, since we're doing the Zoom. And uh, I can tell you what, I, as, as much as uh, technology is awesome, I totally miss being in the room with these guys. And I can't wait. Hopefully, it'll be just a few more weeks and we will be cleared to go back to the Man Up studio. So... And uh, at this time, I'm going to go ahead and I'll just go around and I will introduce the panelists. He is a world-class policy writer, also a bit of a professional gambler. Mr. Steve Titch is here. We have an attorney. You can't do anything in this litigious society that we have now. 
without having an attorney, but our attorney is also a prosecutor, so he could defend you or he could throw to the book at you. Just dep- depends on what he feels like. That's Michael Cropper. And we have That's a world class right. trainer for a Fortune, not 500, a Fortune 100 company, because the 500s, that well, they're sissies. And the 100s are awesome. And that's Robert Koshu. And we have, uh, he's a coon ass from Louisiana, and he's out of quarantine. He's a, our class deacon. He's also an insurance guy. Just, just a great guy. Mr. Kyle Trahan is here with us. My name is Bill Cox. I'm, bas- I'm the director of Man Up. I'm basically a writer, actor, a creative type. My job is I work as a contractor, so that's the kind of guy I am. So maybe you might identify as you get to know us with one or more, and that is what we do with this particular podcast. What we'll do is we'll, first of all, go around, give a basic overview of this particular scripture or lesson, and I will then read the scripture And then what we do is we dive in deeper and peel it like an onion, update it, apply it to our lives, and and give a man spin in particular. So we're so glad that you chose to join us. I'm going to start out with uh, Mr. Steve Titch. Yeah, uh, thanks, thanks, Bill. We're in Matthew uh, chapter 17, verses 14 through 21. Um, this week and last week's, we looked at two miracles, looking at a miracle in each case, but they, the healing in last week and what is a casting out of a demon and exorcism in this week's study, they're almost ancillary to the story. And in both stories, faith is discussed and really faith takes uh, the center stage, a, a discussion by Jesus about it. You have great faith and little faith. And uh, last week we saw an example of great faith. Um, but the takeaway that, uh, that I look forward to talking about here is that faith is the primary tool in a Christian's life. And it almost sounds paradoxical because, you know, in, in the culture, it seems like it's really quaint when someone says, well, I have my faith, or uh, they, a newspaper article will write about something terrible that happened to someone, but, you know, bless her, she has her faith. And it sounds, it sounds weak, and it sounds like um, it's just the last, you know, the last thing to hold on. But really, it's the, the first thing you have. And uh, for men especially, uh, because you don't, you know, you feel like you've got to be active in something. You've got to be right at the forefront. You've got to be taking control. But really, what the emphasis here is, is that, again, faith uh, is really the most important thing to start out with, to have. And, and we have to, you know, we'll have to get into a little discussion exactly what that is, what it isn't. Uh, but uh, I'll give one hint. In both cases, it's actually in this case, faith is linked very strongly to prayer. So that's that's my that's my kickoff. Excellent, uh, Michael Cropper. Yeah, I agree with Steve. This is another 
another lesson on faith. Uh, Jesus rebukes two, two different people for their lack of faith. One, one again will be the disciples, and one again will be the person requested. Uh, I'm told that my internet connection is unstable. I don't know what that means. Can you guys hear me okay? Hello? I hear you. I can. You sound good, Mike. Can you? Okay. Okay. Sorry. It, it, it popped up and it looked like we're not. My apologies. Yeah. One has to do with um, uh, the, the disciples themselves not having enough faith. And then the person who is requesting the healing and Jesus rebukes him for their lack of faith as well. And that will be in verse 20 that Bill will read. Faith is a necessary ingredient for the person performing the miracle as well as the person receiving the healing. That's when I get out of the lesson. Jesus told the disciples on several occasions that they had little faith. Now, in today's lesson, he told them that if they had faith the size of a mustard seed, they could move a mountain. And that's really a slap in the face, I'll tell you. Uh, just because they saw Jesus perform miracles, it did not give them faith. The disciples were a great example of seeing miracles. No one saw more miracles than the disciples when they traveled with Jesus and walked with him. And when they had the opportunity to exercise their faith, they did not do it. Again, they leaned on Jesus. They did not step out on faith. Um, for instance, the feeding of the 5,000 people a couple of lessons back. Uh, Jesus told them, feed the people. They could not do it. Uh, again, feeding of the 4,000 people. Likewise, the disciples uh, saw only a few loaves and fishes when it was time to share the amount of food that they had with the people. Then facing the storm while they, when Jesus was asleep in the boat, they were terrified. Again, today's lesson is a great example. Even if the disciples were given authority to perform miracles, uh, in Matthew, I believe, 10, 1, and 8, they stumbled on a big one. Now, just before we start the lesson, uh, everyone, the pre-lesson is Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up the mountain. I know uh, all of you have been in church in a while at all. You know about where Jesus uh, then talks with Elijah and Moses. He meets with them. And Peter, James, and John were, are back in the distance watching the whole thing. And they uh, somewhat are frightened with it, frightened with the situation. And Peter makes the statement, let us build three tabernacles for all of you. And, uh, and then God responds, nope, don't listen to the other two. Listen to my son. He's the most important. And then after that experience, they begin to come down the mountain. And Jesus told them, do not tell anybody about the, what you have just seen until after my death. Then a second question the, the disciples asked Jesus is, why, why did the scribes say that Elijah must come back before the Messiah, who is you, Jesus. Why do they say that? And Jesus explains to him that John the Baptist, his cousin, was in fact the Elijah that prepared his coming. Now, as they return from the mountain, Jesus notices that there's a crowd around the rest of the disciples he left down below, and that's where we're going to pick up the lesson today. They all come back down the mountain, and the rest of the disciples are gathered with a crowd of people. All right, Bill. Oh, yeah. The historian did not disappoint. <laughs> Kyle Trahan, your basic overview of this week's lesson. You know, I've, I've said it before that uh, <clears throat> the 
you know, this lesson, let me step back here. This lesson, um, you know, is, is around a healing and something that the disciples were able to do and given the authority to do and had done in the past. And for some reason they, they weren't able to do it in this instance. Um, it still had to be hard to believe, even if you knew it to be true. You know, it to me, it's it's one of those things, the the miraculous healing and all. So I, I can think of a, an instance here that uh, my sister, uh, when we were pretty, you know, she was maybe sixteen, something like that, and uh, she got into an auto auto accident with a friend and the friend had several vertebrae that were cracked and broken and very dangerous and the possibilities of what could happen. And a, a lot of prayer went on for this young lady. And when they went in, I think it was the third time they went in to figure out what they were going to do for surgery. Uh, they couldn't find any breaks. Nothing was there. They couldn't find it. And even knowing that, it still seems to be, I, I can find myself in the place of the, the disciples of, why can't I do this now? I've seen it. I know it. But I still can't do it. Wow. Interesting. Professor Koshu. Yeah, I'm kind of with Kyle. This is, this is one of those stories where when I read it, there are so many times I feel like, Jesus did this big teaching, and then the crowds are all listening to him, and everybody's paying attention. And then he looks over at the disciples, and they had that blank stare of, huh, on their face. And then he pulls them aside and goes, okay, guys, what I'm really trying to say is, and he had like this discourse with them. I think this is one of those points where you can see Jesus's humanity. Frustration is not a sin. It is okay to be frustrated with being stuck at home for two months straight and not knowing when you're going to get back. It's okay to be frustrated with worrying about where your next paycheck has come from. And I think at one level we see, and what's interesting is, is Jesus's frustration with nine of the 12 disciples. Because Mike mentioned from earlier about that they had just come down from the Mount of Transfiguration. Well, he had Peter, James, and John with him at that. So they basically come down from the mountain because this guy went to see Jesus to heal his son. And the background we get from the other Gospels, Mark and Luke, both contain this story. And Mark, it's in 9, 2 through 13, and Luke is 9, 28 through 36. He had come really to see Jesus and have Jesus heal the boy but he found his disciples because Jesus was running around because he was up on the mountain and the disciples couldn't heal him. And so Jesus's whole statement here that, that Bill's going to read in a minute, how long you wicked generation basically is Jesus expressing actual frustration. Because if you remember earlier in Matthew and we didn't cover it, but he had sent the disciples out and gave them power to heal and preach and do all that. And they probably did. And, and okay, everybody hang on. Here's the crazy part of that. Judas Iscariot went out and healed people and preached. 
and did everything he was just like all the others. And then now we're at this one point where they can't heal this one person. So you see Jesus becoming actually frustrated with the disciples because frustration, this is one of those, I think it leads us to the real humanity of Jesus because he does have that frustration with them at that point. Excellent. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and read uh, Matthew. This is Matthew 17, 14 through 21. When they came to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus, falling on his knees before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and is very ill, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, You unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked him, and the demon came out of him, and the boy was cured at once. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, Because of the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith the side of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. But this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. We're getting to the point to where we're going to go ahead and take a hard break. This is Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men. Uh, we will be right back. You are listening to the Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast. Originating out of Sugarland, Houston, Texas, USA, it's the faith-based man podcast that women enjoy too. Called authentic, timely, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been encouraging and entertaining audiences since 2016 and continues to be one of the fastest growing shows in its segment. Want to book a speaker, show, or post a comment? Go to Man Up on Facebook or our website, www.man-upspiritualoasis.com. And now, back to the No Church Answers Tour and the Fellows of Man Up. Well, welcome back, everybody. This is Man Up, podcast number 153. And what I just read was Matthew 17. 14 through 21, where a man came with his son, who the disciples could not cure, Jesus rebuked him and said, you unbelieving and perverted generation, how long will I put up with you? Bring him to me. And Jesus cured him. And then he also rebuked the disciples and said, <clears throat> because of the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, if you had the faith the size of a, of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible to you. And I like what uh, the professor said about uh, this showing Jesus' humanity and, and his frustration. And I also think that this is a little bit of a glimpse of 
when he says, how long will I be here with you? I think that also is creeping in uh, the, um, the end of his ministry that that's coming up. And, and that's just kind of uh, foretelling of, of, of what's coming up. And also, I, I, I think that it's, it's part of the uh, graduation uh, for the disciples. There, there comes a point in time when you have to realize, even through faith, sometimes just the mere fact that you have faith is part of the gift in itself. And uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, kind of peel back the onion and do some application and maybe even update it to this time because we've like, uh, I believe it was Robert said, this is, I, I believe this, this is probably our sixth or seventh week of being in quarantine. And we know it's going to be at least a couple of more weeks. And so each of us are experiencing this frustration as well and dealing with it. So, so this particular lesson, I think, is, is really appropriate for this time. And go ahead and uh, get some more insight from Mr. Steve Titch. Yeah, um, well, again, this is one of the more troublesome pictures of Jesus we see, just like we saw last week where he seems to, or he does, barely insult the Canaanite woman. Here he, he I would say he loses his temper, but we, again, we see... We see some exaggeration on his part. He he really he, you know he talks to the the disciples. He calls them what what the uh, uh, depraved, unbelieving, and perverted generation. Uh, he says their faith is little, um, and he uses again to drives home this hyperbole with faith the size of a mustard seed could move a mountain. So so what do we what do we you know, think of this here, uh, and um, first of all, we see we see that in his frustration, Jesus does not, you know, lash out at anyone. He doesn't. We can detect some anger there, but it's not. He, he does not. Uh, he does not. He is not destructive about it, uh, and he turns it into a teaching moment. Uh, so. Again, we see an example of how to handle frustration, um, but really, what it what it comes down to is is faith. Because I, I think that the, the apostles there, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna be on their side for a minute. I, I don't think they out and out discounted Jesus, or I, I think they earnestly tried to heal this 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 boy. Um, when and what was probably frustrating for them, apparently we're told they were able to do it in the past. And suddenly, you know, they can't do it. They're probably frustrated, and we, we don't really hear what what they say about it, other than they can't do it. And Jesus comes in and kind of yells at them. And and uh, like I don't, you know, they they <laughs> yeah, you want to say oh, I'm doing my best here, but. I guess the answer back is what, what happens when your best is not good enough? And when, when Jesus talks about faith here, 
is it more than just, yeah, is it something else besides just believing that, you know, I can do it? Is it, were, were, the, were, the, were the apostles, you know, using, a, again, the parlance of our times, a cliche of the time, believing in themselves? Or, you know, were they, were they truly, were they truly exhibiting a kind of a faith that, that I think that we as Christians really must strive for beyond simply, oh, I believe that Jesus is God. I believe he died for my sins. I believe he rose from the dead. There's something deeper, I think, about faith. Uh, and I think I look at, I, I go back to Psalm 23, verse 4. Uh, Though I walk in through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. That, I think, it, it sounds simple, but the idea that you are willing to believe, one, that God is in charge, two, that he does really have a plan for you, and uh, you want to, you know, you want that, you want to have faith that you know what that role is. Um, and you know you're that and that god will if if he doesn't you know you're going to place your faith i guess in the idea that you're in the place that god wants you to be or if you're not to have the faith that god will transform that situation for his own purpose um and that is that is probably the that, that is i always i like to talk about in this my class that, that we are, Christianity is a transformable, transformative religion. It takes mundane stuff, it takes corrupt stuff, it takes stuff associated with horror and evil, like the cross, like the crucifixion, and turns it into a symbol of hope. Uh, this idea that there is hope everywhere, that I think is this, it's a, I think, and I think it's a, it's a very mature idea for, for a believer, and it's kind of, it sounds simple, and I want to say it sounds simple, it can be made to sound cliched and simple, but deep down it's not, and I think that's where the prayer connection comes in. I, I hope I'm, I'm making sense here, but uh, faith is more than just saying, I, I believe. Um, it's this acceptance that God is in charge, and you're willing to go with it. You're willing to let go and go with it. That's the second. It's easy to say God's in charge. You know, it's easy to say, you know, the president's in charge, the CEO's in charge. But are you fully bought in? And I think every Christian, I haven't hit that problem, but I'm sure in American Christmas, Christians have that issue where it's very difficult to fully buy in. And that's what Jesus expects from the apostles here. And I think that's what he expects from us. Oh, that's a very good point. And <clears throat> me, myself, I always try to find God in each of these circumstances. And, and, that, and that, that's a, a fine application. The frustration that Jesus was having and the disciples were having because they, they were frustrated that they weren't able to drive the demon out too. But 
there's certain times that faith in itself is its own reward. And I like how you use the term transformative because even though they were not able to drive out the demon, I honestly don't believe that it shook their individual faith. So, um, yeah, I'd like to get a little bit, uh, a little bit more perspective from uh, Michael Cropper. Yes. Uh, so, I'm looking back at the scripture again. I think I've talked about this before, mentioned this before. Uh, why were the disciples not able to cast out the demon? Well, <clears throat> again, as you guys have mentioned, the disciples were given authority to heal the sick cleanse lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. This is Matthew 10, 1 and verses 1 and 8. Uh, so why are they not? Why were they not able to cast out this demon? Uh, I Personally, I, I'll tell you right off, I think Peter, James, and John could have. They were with Jesus, however. They were the strong disciples. We see that throughout the scriptures, throughout the New Testament. Those three were powerful, which may be one of the reasons Jesus took them on the mountain with him to, uh, again, teach a lesson to the other disciples he left behind, that you guys really have to grow in faith. But anyway, uh, setting that aside, Jesus states this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. In other words, it's you have to stay prayed up, number one, and fast it up if you're going to tackle a big job. Now, the author, when we read our whole lesson, the author doesn't hardly deal with fasting. He talks about it in a box in the particular lesson, stating that you can, you can fast for particular things, abstaining from food for a time, maybe uh, abstaining a type of food for a time, but he doesn't really deal with it, and he doesn't give an example of himself fasting to seek God. Uh, Jesus said very clearly, you need to seek God. God is, all of us realize that the source of Jesus' power was God himself and the fact that Jesus was part of the Godhead. Okay. Jesus healed many people. He cast out demons, but he could not do it in his own town. If you remember that, because he said, because they had very little faith. So again, Faith is on from both both sides of the coin. Jesus had the power to heal anything. The other person must be willing to exercise his power to receive that authority. Now, so let's go back to prayer and fasting. Did Jesus give examples of what you're supposed to do to pray and fast and to seek God, his heavenly father? Yes, he did. Many times he prayed at night while the disciples were sleeping and getting their rest. He started his ministry out with a bang. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, we, we weren't told what that meant, whether he actually went without food 40 days or whether he just went out without food during the day and ate in the evening. But he's very clear it takes those two requirements to have a relationship or a type of faith or authority to cast out this type of demon. He's very clear about that. So just having faith, it, it, you cannot have faith unless you do the right combination of ingredients to acquire the faith. And Jesus gives those examples in this. Uh, we, study the, we study the New Testament, and we believe studying the Word will help increase your faith. We know praying will increase your faith. And, and then, of course, the third one, like I said, 
fasting is an important third third element of, of increasing your faith. Now, I'm going to go a step further. To me, well, let's bring it down to practical purposes. If, if you go to college or if, you, if you're even in high school, you want to take a test and you want to do well on the test, what do you do? You study. And the more you study, the better you know the subject. So you must study the way your teacher tells you to study for that subject, and you must study the subject matter or the matter of that particular subject to know it, to do well in trigon trigonometry test or geometry test or chemistry test, whatever. <clears throat> you do not study for a trigonometry test or an, a geometry trust test by watching the Avengers movie. You must study exactly. He's talking to you, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's a simplistic reason, but to me, the the, uh, the the fact is you have to study the way Jesus gave the example, and that's simply uh, praying and fasting. The man with the demon-possessed son, to me, was the pop quiz. Now, you guys remember pop quizzes in high school, college? Remember, it's one thing to take a test at the end of the semester, at the end of three weeks or six weeks, when you know ahead that the test is gonna, gonna be there and you study for it. It's another thing to have the teacher come in one day and you come into class and teach this pop quiz time and you go, oh, you either say, I'm glad I read last night what I was supposed to read, or you say, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. And I think, personally, I think this particular guy that was sick was a it was like a pop quiz to the other uh, nine disciples <laughs> he came up and they weren't prayed up they weren't fasted up and uh this is simplistic but but they, he was a pop quiz for them and they failed it <laughs> anyway it's practical i'm trying to be practical in application but oh, very good <laughs> yeah, right. pop, uh, pop, anyway, quiz, pop quiz time meant i needed to find out if the chair was open, that was next to the smartest person in the class. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you get you get caught for that and you fail. But anyway, two right, more points. Right, right. Right. Jesus reminds uh, us that the uh, the two most important people with the greatest amount of faith was the centurion who was not a Jewish person, and the also the last week the lady who responded to Jesus and said please heal my, my daughter. And he said, you are not a Jew. She says, yes, but we who are dogs take and eat, consume the, uh, the droppings and crumbs that fall from the table. All right, Bill, we'll go back to you. Uh, excellent. Uh, Professor Koshu, uh, yeah. your overview of this uh, yeah. uh, lesson. So, yeah, and, and I always go back to, you know, faith, Hebrews 11, 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And like, you know, we've talked about, it's easy to have, it's easy, as Steve said, to have the platitude that I trust this is all going to end and it's all going to be fine. But how are you treating it day to day as you look at your faith? You know, are you struggling through? Are you working it? You know, we all graded ourselves a couple of weeks ago on how we were doing quarantine. And I, and I think as a group, we, group, we kind of landed on the sea level <laughs> a little bit. Um, but 
it's really, it's a whole nother avenue to look at it and have absolute total faith that things will work out, that God is in control and that things are going to happen to the way we are. And it's interesting because he uses the mustard seed and everyone thinks of seeds as itty bitty small little things. The mustard seed is the smallest seed. I mean, the thing is almost like a ground of coffee from the sides of it. You know, really small ground piece of coffee. So he's saying that, that faith of even that size is all it takes to even move a mountain. And he's talking about that. The other thing I do want to mention is um, the author talked a little bit about fasting. And Jesus mentions fasting in his response. This one only comes out by prayer and fasting. And if any of our listeners ever want to read a great treatise on fasting, it's way more than fasting, but it's a great section of it. Um, Richard J. Foster's Celebration of Discipline. There's actually a 40th anniversary of the book out now, and I think I've got the first edition of it. Um, but I would highly encourage people to pick oh, that up and nice. read it. Because that, you know, if you really want to know about fasting, because he goes into not only the spiritual reasons to it, but a lot of practical things about how do you do a fast? How do you, how do you, so it's easy to do a, I'm going to skip lunch today as part of my fasting. That's actually a fairly simple thing to do. He actually has practical in, in practical instructions on how to do up to a 30 day fast. And the most important thing about 30 day fast is how you break a 30 day fast. You can't go out and have the steak dinner after you hadn't eaten real food for 30 days. <laughs> it doesn't work that way, you know? And so he has real practical stuff on it. And so in addition to all the very deep spiritual reasons to fast and what it means and how it works. And so I would highly encourage anybody that's interested in that, go pick that up as a part of it. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with Mike. This was a pop quiz for the disciples. You know, I, I think this story, this miracle story is, again, about the disciples, not really about the other people. I think it's about the disciples. It was their pop test, and, and they didn't do so well, but they're still trying to figure this whole thing out. You know, I, I'm kind of like you, you Bill. I, I'll dog on the disciples a little bit, but I have a lot of sympathy for them a lot of times, too, because I think they're just trying to figure this out. Because they're thinking Jesus coming in on the white horse to overthrow the Romans. But then he goes and heals a freaking Canaanite woman's son. And then, oh my God, he healed a centurion's daughter. What the heck, Jesus? Get, get with the program here. We're, we're supposed to be throwing them out. His son should have died, so he'd want to go back to Rome. You know, and you go and heal him. You know, and then, of course, here's this nice Jewish guy. He brings us his son, and we can't do it. What the heck? <laughs> You know, I, I always very good point. It's like hindsight. That. Hindsight is twenty twenty. But when you're in the moment, you yeah, that that is real leadership. When you are in the moment and being able to read that moment, and I agree with you. I just think the disciples they had they had success previously, and they they didn't expect this to to be. And any different than the ones that they had success with. So, uh, Kyle Trahan, uh, go ahead and uh, unpeel this uh, from your perspective. I love the onion reference. That's fun. 
You Kyle know, looks like he got a haircut. That's just uh, wrong on so many levels. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm just going to comment. Kyle, Kyle has almost no hair, so Kyle used the beard trimmer and kept going. <laughs> easy, easy. Had the wife finish it out. No yeah, worries. You look, you look like you have a beard on top of your head. That's right. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, that uh, I had just written down, you know, in the moment of crisis and, and for this, uh, looking at uh, this particular lesson, that crisis was they couldn't heal this kid. Okay. That, that was their crisis. It, it, it's easy for us to get distracted and forget to come in God in prayer. You know, um, you, you're in the heat of the moment, things are coming at you, whatever. And so somebody was off their game. Somebody wasn't, wasn't paying attention. And this guy comes up with his, his kid and says, please get this demon out of my child. And he goes, abracadabra, and it didn't work. And then he looks over at the next you know, disciple and he says, hey, I couldn't get it done. There's already that shed of doubt that was right there. Oh, well, shoot. Two days ago, you did something like this, and it worked. Now you, now you can't. So what's changed? And they throw that little shed of doubt into the next person's mind. And I'd had to admit, you know, I would be that doubting Thomas. Can you guys still hear me? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, on my screen, it looked like everybody kind of froze up. So I uh, just wanted to make sure. Um, but, you know, I, I just keep putting myself in this scenario. And, you know, I'm being a Reformed Catholic. I'm still learning to read and try and understand the Bible. Even with all the years of religion and class and everything. I'm telling you, I would have been doubting Thomas in almost every scenario. So, yep, that's me. You know, that it would be really easy to let one little thing creep into your mind and go, well, maybe I've just been dreaming. I mean, seriously, can he really raise Lazarus? Uh, you know, I'm 30 years old, and this other 30-year-old, and in my last 30-year-olds, I've never seen anything. My last 30 years of, of life, I've never seen anything like this happen. And now this guy comes on, and in the last year, I've seen all this stuff. And how can that really happen? I, I, I'm sorry. That would be me. So I can so, I think Robert said it a minute ago, I can so relate to being these disciples, and especially on that, that part, you know, hearing Jesus especially saying the, the mustard seed in the mountain, uh, my mind would go literal as I'm sure a lot of them probably did in that moment. Uh, you know, I got mustard seeds in my pantry here at the house. I've been to the mountains, as a lot of them had been. And you're thinking, wait, this tiny little seed, and I can move that thing over. I don't know. I think it would have been easy for the disciples to doubt, even themselves, even after having done all of these things. You know, and then to, to be rebuked by Jesus had to be 
again, a, a hard lesson for them. You idiots, haven't you seen? And why can't you believe? But was it you, Robert, that said a minute ago that um, uh, they still hadn't figured it out? Even after Jesus was dead and raised to life, they still hadn't figured it out. I'm still doubting Thomas after Jesus appears before me. Anyway, I'm done. <laughs> Excellent. You know, I, and, and, and I've said it many times, and those of you that are out there listening to us on a regular basis, I, you know, I've never felt like I was a disciple or apostle or, or anything. I, I never had that eureka moment. I'm, I'm just, I, I just feel that I'm on this, uh, you know, faith journey and, particularly in hard times. And what I want, you know, people to uh, think about is, I mean, and particularly in hard times, if we maintain our faith, then in a way that's, that's, that's a reward, you know, but even in this time of difficulty, if, if we actually become better, better people, and more of leaders, I mean, then our faith is, is, is showing results, you, you know, um, the, the disciples by going out and healing, um, is, is another step up from what, you know, I feel that I myself am. And, you know, I, I'm just, trying to lead, uh, my family, you know, you know, my, my work crews, you know, and, and in my neighborhood and, and, and this you group of fellows as well, you know, trying to use my, the faith that I have, um, that we all become better people and help other people that are out there struggling, such as, what we're developing our curriculum about <clears throat> men matter about the uh, death by despair and suicide by neglect and, and how COVID-19 is one thing, but how suicides have spiked tremendously and it's, it's not getting any kind of uh, notoriety or, or uh, any type of discussion. Um, but but that's the kind of thing us, you know, having faith and, and in th this time keeping our faith, which is not easy when we have been displaced from our normal routines, but actually trying to be better people and to help that, that right there, I really think is a lot of what I get from this particular lesson. Um, and with that, I want to go ahead and go around the, uh, the fellows one more time and, and get their takeaways from this uh, podcast number 153 and start with Mr. Steve Titch. Yeah, that's really, I, I'm glad you said that because this is hard. Uh, there, there are people out there, people we know personally who are having a very hard time with this. Uh, you're either you're either in the in the demographic or who 
you know, of people who are susceptible to this or have a comorbidity, you people, you, you you're just not working. Um, you're you've lost your income, cash flow is is gone, and your your the bills don't go away. You still gotta either pay your rent or mortgage. You still gotta eat. And for a lot of people, this is just economically. Uh, there's there's very difficult to see an end to this, especially when even you know nobody really can pinpoint a date as to when things may resume. Uh, and then there are even worse situations. Uh, right now, I mean, I I can't imagine being a parent and say having a child with appendicitis, something something basic as that that requires maybe a day in the hospital now, uh, an overnight. Your child goes in, you can't visit them, or else you know you're you're confined to a very short window, uh, which is highly unusual. You, 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 know, you get to your child's going for surgery. You get to stay with them almost, you know, except for it's, it's the exception. There are there are a few times you can't be with them, and then you can be with them a great deal of the time. Um, there are parents out there who you know their kid gets sick. Um, they they can't see them and and imagine being being a six seven year old kid being in a hospital by yourself uh and anybody who comes into your room is in a mask and gloves you can't really almost recognize your nurses or doctors it, it's not just a mask and a glove it's like the full goggles it's it's, 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 it's the, the gown the, the goggles yeah um, yeah it's the hazmat tell and, me that uh so there, there are. Uh, I'm not gonna. You can't sugarcoat it. There are people who are in, you know, who are in very bad situations now. Um, if you know, your only hope is in, in some cases they have the Lord to lean on. Think of people who don't, and 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 I know that we are acquainted with a a few who aren't, and they're really having a bad time. Um, but even so, it comes down to the idea of faith that. You know, whatever happens, it doesn't say you will not go through the valley of death. You will go through the valley of death, but the God is with you. And I think that's where faith begins. And that's as we go back to prayer we're talking about. You can, you can, you can have God with you through prayer, through disciplines of fasting, through focusing on the spiritual of something beyond the sheer empirical nature now we don't we didn't talk, i'll go back we talked one of the one of the benefits of fasting uh spiritual benefits of fasting that foster talks about it does it takes your mind off the immediate need the immediate physical need and that's a lot what we focus on like like i will say well where to you know it says when jesus rebukes the crowd he says oh you're worried about what shall we wear what do we eat where do we we're going to have lunch um that's 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 part of it, um, but faith. You know, it's 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 talked about. Jesus talks about it as being very powerful, and if you truly experience it, it is. And it's hard to communicate it because it sounds so abstract. Um, but I know I I've had experience right, that faith is incredibly powerful. Uh, it's more powerful than really one can, you know, than, than, than usually we give it credit to because we're Americans, we're practical people. Uh, and, and so much around of us is, is really, you know, it, 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 it poo-poo's spiritual, it, it poo-poo's actual real spiritual, um, the idea of true, true supernatural spiritualism. I'm going to say that word out there. 
people believe in the abstract, you know, but, but otherwise we, we live in a culture around the world where people make their own morality. Uh, people basically base their moral compass on their own decisions and uh, have kind of abdicated there being any absolute moral authority. Uh, but beyond that, that's part, faith is part of that. Faith is that there's something greater at work than your own will, and you can get on board with that. And I, I'm, I'm, you know, I got half the time I got one foot in the in this world, the other foot, you know, trying to stay, trying to stay planted. On a good day, one foot stays planted in the kingdom. <laughs> on a bad day, I got a toe in there. Maybe that's my my confession. <laughs> Excellent, excellent, Steve. <laughs> Michael Cropper, your uh, summary of uh, today's lesson and a takeaway. Yeah, Bill, I, I um, practically speaking, Steve covered a lot. In fact, he covered a lot of reality that we're going on, we're facing today with uh, layoffs and, and uh, not working. And, and of course, men, as we are, uh, carry the, the stress, the fear of, of not having enough money to feed our family, uh, the fear of getting the virus or sick or getting any type of sickness that would put us out of work and uh, take away our salaries for any length of time. But the stress, that's, but that's something God placed on the man also. He placed on the man the responsibility for taking care of the family and encouraging the family. And, um, you know, you may make fun of me, but I, I think Steve, well, first of all, Steve was absolutely correct. He said, when you fast, and, uh, and, and, and of course, when I, I say when you read the Bible, when you are afraid, you need to push the fear out. You need to do something that takes your mind off the fear. Because if the fear is bad enough, it can paralyze you, and there's nothing worse than having a paralyzing fear to where you don't do anything. A little fear may be good at, at something. Uh, in fact, you guys may not know, I had a trial today. We're not supposed to have trials. The courts are supposed to be closed. Guess what? I had a trial today. And I've tried probably over 300 trials, maybe 400. I don't know how many I've lost count. But every time I get ready for a trial, I'm a little afraid. But it doesn't paralyze me. And I tell myself, whether it's, it, it's going into a trial or anything else, I tell myself, the Lord will help me. I actually speak to myself, and I speak out loud. Faith cometh by hearing, and heareth, hearing cometh by the word of God. This is Hebrews. And I tell myself, you know, the Lord will help me. Don't be afraid. And I repeat that as many times as I need till I get till the fear goes away from me. But anyway, uh, Steve made some very practical points. I, I wholly support him on that. And uh, I will pass it back to you, Bill, at this time. Uh, thanks so much. And uh, go ahead and uh, Kyle Trahan, uh, get your takeaways uh, from today's lesson. You know, mine, I, I think it just goes back to uh, what I, I had said earlier, that uh, in that moment for the deacons that couldn't cast out the demon, I think they got for distracted and, and forgot to go in prayer. So, you know, something happened and there was a different outcome for some reason. And 
So instead of stopping and maybe taking an extra moment and just saying, you know, Lord, what's changed? What's happened? What's, what's different for me? what am I doing wrong? Whatever. Um, they didn't, in my opinion, they didn't stop and go in prayer and self-reflection to see what was missing, what was wrong. And I know, again, for me, I know I don't do that enough when things aren't going the way that maybe I thought God's path had me on. And so um, I guess my takeaway is uh, go in prayer and self-reflection. Always be trying to better yourself and be more Christ-like. And uh, something I'm going to look into myself is a little more of the fasting. I've been uh, kind of doing a little research. Uh, again, give me that plug. Uh, who said it? Was it you, Robert, about the book of Richard, fasting? Yeah, Celebration of Discipline by Richard J. Foster. Um, I'd recommend getting the 40th anniversary edition. It looks like it just came out. And in his introduction to it, I was – glancing at it real quick online because I have an older version of it. He actually talks about the one thing that's changed Very massively nice, since he released it was actually since he released it actually has been the amount of distraction that has cropped up in the world today compared to what the distractions were 40 years ago. So. I have the 10th anniversary edition. <laughs> ah. Oh, I got it before you. <laughs> uh, I've got the first one. Oh, <laughs> I got it oh, back in the eighties. Oh, you got first edition. What was that? Tenth edition, and you just said four. Yeah, yeah. He just released Steve, the fourth edition. Steve, Steve is behind. That's yeah. pretty awesome. Well, I, 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 Has he added any more? Steve doesn't know everything. Awesome. <laughs> uh, thanks so much, Kyle, and uh, get some takeaways uh, from you, Professor. Yeah, um, have the faith, and if you are frustrated, recognize that it's kind of a normal reaction to this. The, the key is don't let the frustration overwhelm you. Keep it in perspective with your faith because it's as crazy as it is, it is literally up to us to have that faith and lead out of this as we move forward. Um, this is going to be an interesting time moving forward. I mean, I was listening to our pastor right before we came on here and somewhere in the next week to week and a half that our church is going to make a decision on coming back and then set a date that's two weeks out and then really different things, you know, talking about RSVP for service so we can make sure we socially distance enough. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we talk, we talk about taking things for granted, and, and we, before yeah. Kyle and I were talking, Kyle, as we say, is a deacon. One of the deacons' roles is to be reader, uh, to hand out the bulletin, say hello. Very important role. Uh, and and I think I know the sanctuary just off the top of my head has about seven entrances, and most of our deacons who are doing uh, greeting are are older are older members are, are in their 60s, 70s, maybe older than that. Um, 
they're going to need help. They may not be able to do it, which is sad because they lose a service opportunity that, that's, that I'm sure that is very much part of their faith, especially when you get older. Uh, but your church, if, you, if you're attending a church, think about that. They may, and you're a younger person, this, there, there are going to be opportunities. Think about uh, the older generation in your church and the roles they fill. They may not be able to fill those roles. Uh, in in for the for the coming months, so here's a chance to here's a chance to man up, man or 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 woman up for for that matter. There are yeah. um, uh, to step forward and to to exactly you know to be part of something again, um, be you know larger larger than what you're dealing with, larger than yourselves at the moment. Well, just just to echo there real quick, Steve, and I, and I'll get off. But uh, uh, even our diaconate is probably 60, 65% over the age of 60, you know, which hits into that same demographic. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, well, and then for that demographic, keep in mind, they're not coming. And several of them, my mom is not technically savvy at all. So her, she's not getting any church at all unless she's finding one of the normal quote unquote televangelists but she's not getting our people at all as a, as a part of what she's experiencing during this time. So there's something else to kind of keep in mind as you're thinking through. And, and Bill mentioned the suicides earlier. I wanted to mention that a friend of mine has a friend who is a radiologist and they have seen an 80 to 90% increase in child abuse cases of people coming in. We've seen John Cates has been posting some statistics regarding opioid increase, increase usage and all of that as we've gone through this, you know, and those aren't the things we're hearing about. And I think that's something, you know, encourage our listeners to keep praying for as we go through this and sort itself out. And I want to thank everybody and, and thank the panel uh, for this. I thought this was going to be a difficult uh, lesson to go through, but once again, you guys uh, stepped up your game. And I just wanted to make one final point we are each on this individual journey of faith and I'm blessed to have, we're on our 153rd podcast and I, I get to be with uh, these four great guys uh, every week doing this podcast, but then also the disciples. Remember there were 12 of them. So you're not alone. Although at times, particularly in this quarantine time, we feel the burden is all on us. Remember, it is not. So I want to thank you so much for tuning in, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts. We're also on iHeartRadio. We're on Facebook at Man-Up. You can post a question. We'll go ahead and we'll address it here on the weekly podcast. We also have a website, which is at man-upspiritualacious.com. Once the quarantine is done, but in the meantime, while you are quarantined, go ahead and find Sugarland Baptist Church where you can enjoy our service online. But once quarantine is done, if you're ever in the Sugarland area, please stop in and join us. We'd love to have you. But we want to encourage you to find a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go. We want you to participate in a adult Bible fellowship or Sunday school class, small group, like what
we have here so you can really dig into the word. And we want you to find one that is men only. And if there is one, start one. This is Man Up. You've been listening to Man Up. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man Dash Up. Post questions and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.